reading today is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramathiam, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the name of one which was Hohanah, and the other one Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Ophini, and Peniah were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peniah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look at the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk, so Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel, grant the petition you have made him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. This is the word of the Lord, word of life. morning. A few years ago, Pastor Beth asked me if I'd ever consider preaching. I was kind of taken aback, and I think I said something like, well, I don't know about that. And I thought I was off the hook. So last month, when she came to me again, uh, she asked me to preach, and she said, you can think about it. Um, but there's two answers. Yes is an acceptable answer, and not this time is also okay. 
So I think that my preaching was inevitable and this is your lucky day. So <laughs> please, please bear with me. So uh, in the scripture today, Elkanah has two wives, Hannah and Penina. Uh, so there's problems in this family. It, when you read this, it, it appears that Elkanah married Hannah first and they had trouble uh, having kids. So Elkanah was impatient and he married Penina and she bore him a son. And here lies a recipe for family friction. Hannah is deeply troubled. She is, she, because she can't become pregnant. Penina is jealous because he, her husband favors Hannah. So Penina taunts Hannah every time they go to the temple to pray, which is about once a year. Elkanah deeply loves Hannah and shows his favor to her by giving her a double portion each year when they go to sacrifice at the temple. This time, when they go to the temple, Hannah is reminded again by Panina that she is childless. Hannah is so distraught that she does not eat. She weeps bitterly. Her husband is clueless, as our, the, our husbands are usually known to be. And he says to Hannah, you know, you're worth more to me than 10 sons. And he thinks that will solve all her problems. Well, the problem here is that any woman who can't bear a son in ancient Jewish society is looked down upon. Now, as a man, I can't appreciate the pain a woman must go through when she really wants to have a child and can't have one. But Hannah's grief can connect with each one of us. My own Hannah experience was this loss of my son three and a half years ago to a fentanyl overdose. And it was at that time very painful and it still is sometimes. And I'll, I'll speak more about that later, but back to the scripture. Hannah is overwhelmed with sadness and pours her whole self into the prayer at the temple. This is a gut-wrenching scene, but I have to say it's also a very beautiful scene. You see, in a male-dominated society, Hannah is both bold and vulnerable. She's taking her prayers directly to God. She's not relying on a priest, and she's not relying on a husband to represent her. There's something powerful when lament is part of our faith. To be vulnerable enough to passionately weep and express yourself in front of, in, through prayer is just beautiful. It's also an account, this is a rare account in the Old Testament, where the story puts the woman at center stage. I'm sure that Hannah was stuck in the back of the temple. You see, the priests go to the holy part, and the men are up front, and the women are in the back. And there's Eli, the priest, hanging out by the doorpost, and he sees Hannah. She's very distraught, shaken, and praying, and he immediately determines that she must be drunk. Instead of giving her comfort, he gives her accusation and blame. So she has to explain herself. And after Eli gets up to speed, only then does he see her pain. And Eli says in verse 17, Go in peace, the God of Israel. Grant the petition you have made to him. For the very first time, Hannah is being heard. Her petition has been granted. She has hope for a better future. She's no longer sad. All of a sudden, she realizes she's famished, and she gets up and eats. 
Today's scripture stops short, but we all know Hannah goes on to give birth to Samuel. And Hannah keeps her vow to dedicate Samuel as a Nazarite. I'm working my way through the Old Testament, one chapter at a time. And every day when I read the chapter, there's a lot of times that I kind of look at it and say, God, I, don't, I didn't get much out of that. You see, a lot of the Old Testament is history, genealogy, sometimes violent, and a lot of times out of context to today's social norms. At first glance, the Hannah story can be that way. Here, Alcana has two wives. He had to go, he had to be a man to be a priest. He had to go to the temple to pray. And a woman's value was only seen by her ability to bear a son. It would be easy to read this scripture and conclude that it does not relate well to how we understand the world today. Today, women preach. Sometimes you even have two female pastors and a woman who's head of church council. We would not look down on a couple who couldn't have a baby. We'd be compassionate to them. Scripture offers us a timeless lesson about where does it hurt. You see, Hannah's pain is not from, it was not from being unable to have a son. In fact, she gives up her son to Eli the priest as a baby soon after he's been weaned. Samuel isn't even raised in her hometown. He's raised in Shiloh, 20 miles away. Hannah's pain comes from not being accepted by her community. And how timeless is that? Another surprising thing here is that Hannah's sadness is lifted not when the baby is born, but immediately after she is seen and heard. My wife Deb and I mentor three kids through Parenting with Purpose. PWP's mission is to work with families who've been affected by incarceration. These kids were preteens when we first started mentoring them, and now they're young adults. What we learn very quickly is that kids who have a single parent without a father around are really hungry for attention. Simply sharing a little bit of their lives with them shows them that they're seen and they're heard. When we went through our listening project here at Mount Olivet in the fall of 2021, we asked each of you to reflect on your experience over the 18 months that covered the pandemic and George Floyd. We asked you to write down on a post-it note something that was a loss to you and something that was life-giving. We had 171 losses named and 182 life-giving moments. So when we took all those post-it notes and assembled them and looked at them for themes, we could see very clearly that we need family and we need community to be seen and heard. At Mount, Hall, at Mount Olivet, we are hopeful that we can provide a safe place for you to be vulnerable and where people can share their loss. A number of years ago, we began sharing our prayer requests at church, and now it has become an essential part of each service. Sometimes we share a joyful moment, others we share a loss. In order to process our pain, we need to first name it then we need to be heard, and then we need to be held in trust with our family at the church. 
I said I'd say a little bit more about my son. Well, it was right here in this sanctuary when I was able to stand here and share about Lee's life and how much his loss meant to us. It was also a wonderful time for my wife, Deb, and all of the kids in the family to be surrounded by community, to be seen and heard. In hindsight, we were really fortunate to have that funeral before the pandemic because it meant a lot to us to have you here with us. I'm thankful to be part of the Mount Olivet community. When I'm here in Mount Olivet with my friends, whether I'm here at church, at Crystal Cafe doing men's Bible study, whether doing Saturday Bible study by Zoom or live streaming like my mother does from Canada, I feel that I am with my family. I feel welcomed, I feel heard, and I feel that I belong. Amen.